Welcome, this is Beyond the Here and Now. I'm your host, Antonia Lau, and this is the show that will take you a moment to wrap your heads around new thought, new thinking, new ideologies than you've been taught to think and to believe about yourself, the world around you, and your place in it. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about your brothers and sisters, so to speak, throughout the cosmos. Now, why am I talking about the cosmos and your brothers and sisters? This is not talking about the astronauts on the International Space Station. And even though everyone on the planet is your brother and sister, believe it or not, slowly but surely, humankind is waking up to realize life is more than it seems. That everything we've been taught is a lie. About our origin especially. Who we are. How we got here on this planet. So this is important because this is going to be a wake-up call. And, and when people grow, sometimes it's hard to wrap your heads, as I say at the top of the show, around new information because it shakes your foundation. It has to break it apart, and sometimes that's not quite a comfortable feeling. But inside, your soul knows and resonates to the true material. And as you're growing in evolution at this time on the planet, you should know that what's being said is true and real and correct, not conjecture. Those people that still believe that there's nothing that exists but humans in the world, and this is the only world throughout the cosmos, well, those are those ones with those limiting belief factors. It has nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with your background. It has to do with your choice after 18 to 21 and what you choose to open to learn, grow, use, and believe. Okay? But the truth has always been out there. Always. Not your version, not my version, but the truth of what absolutely exists and has happened. And now as we're growing in our understanding spiritually, mentally, slowly but surely, remember we've been dumbed down in, on purpose by the powers that be. It's an, an intentional fact. Um, humans are again at that level three evolution at this point, and there are beings throughout the cosmos, as I state, that are spiritually, technologically, intellectually more advanced at level 12 throughout the universe. Scientists realize that they're not just this one universe. There are more than 99,000 different universes. And we also realize that in every scientific portion of our planet, we've been, we've been sold a, fed, a, a bill of goods. The misinformation is crazy. Some believe that the you know humans have only been here for a few thousand years. Edgar Cayce talks about the, a, a host, a host of delegates from several countries, very high technologically advanced countries, came to solve the large animal, or animal dinosaur population problem 50,000 years ago. And scientists are saying, well, you know, it's only been a few in some sectors. And others realize for a couple of 200,000 years, humankind has had a trace, and then others longer than that. So even though the world has been here 4.5 billion years, she has had presence on the planet. But it has not always been humankind. It still, to this day, is not all humankind. What we've been led to believe is that it's just humankind. Casey states again, Edgar Casey, the foremost uh, prophet or psychic of the 20th century, and his material is very credible. I went through and tried to disprove all that long ago, and much of it proved correct, or most of it. And that data, he had earned the right uh, as an Egyptian uh, long ago as Ra. He was that soul that was Ra. But he had earned the right to the Askashic record of uh, humankind's existence and talks about these things. So it is time for us to grow and to learn that there is more than that out there. Now, we see that the governments in the United States and some other governments in the world, the first world governments, have been trying to hide the fact that we have had um, you know, contact. They've had contact and have known of contact from beings from across the, the universes all this time. Now, some of us are just aware of some of the stories we've heard. Roswell, we hear that in the back of our minds and what that means, and 1941 in Los Angeles and what that might mean, and then some of the crop circling, and we've seen 
something change in the crop circling. We've seen since the early 80s, and they went from the, the, the small circles, you know, two, three circles, and now they're very advanced coated pieces of material. Well, what does it all mean? It absolutely hits for those that resonate or are those that are open or those that have that awareness to the meaning. And no, they're not just pretty pictures that mean peace on our earth, kumbaya. It's trying to show us things, show us knowledge that we all need for the planet because we don't all speak one language. They're giving it in a way that resonates on a soul basis. Now, throughout the cosmos, there are beings throughout the cosmos that are benevolent. 97% are benevolent, advanced. But 3% of the population, as we know it, out through the cosmos, are not. There are 3% that absolutely love going to new places, new territories throughout the universes, especially when there's new life, new blood there, and to corrupt it in their own manner, in their own way, despite universal law, despite... Uh, the divine principles of the uh, the hierarchy in the cosmos. So you're opening your eyes of awareness now to understand that right now under Antarctica, there is or rest a tropical forest 600 square million miles large, frozen in time. Now to do that, it had to happen instantaneously and be covered. Otherwise it would be brown. No, this is green tropical vegetation that is frozen in time. So things on the planet tend to happen instantaneously. Now I remember looking at all this material and remember I am a big hard and fast skeptic. And I was asked to do a workshop and conference at Mount Shasta May 20th of 2012. And I remember it was the, the big Pleiadian or Grand Pleiadian eclipse that was happening that was only visible in three countries, Japan, um, or middle of uh, the Aleutian, between the Aleutians and Japan, uh, actually the Aleutians in Russia, and then again a portion in, in actually Mount Shasta and a portion in New Mexico. That was it. But I know that it's not just a planetary change. It absolutely has an impact not only on the planet herself physically, but on the humans that exist here, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. It has a vibratory rate. It has an act or an effect on the planet. And I remember being at the conference, and at the time we were all there, about 200 of us, illustrious speakers and, and wonderful people that were there at the time, Dr. Carl Johan Kalman, Richard Hogelin, um, a lot of people that were there, and I remember pulling up, um, or being uh, guided to pull my cell phone up, because I'd left the camera that I thought I was going to bring up there. But I brought the cell phone out, and I was guided to take a picture in the direction of the eclipse. Now it's interesting because I was out there watching the whole thing. We had our little glasses on, you know, those 3D glasses we were handed. And other people had scopes and the 3D information that was coming through. We were all ooing and aahing at this time in history. 26,000 years that this particular Grand Pleiadian eclipse was coming toward the Earth. And as I looked, I, I looked at the pictures and there was something else on the picture. There was the sun and the moon in their action of eclipse. The sun, you know, being covered and getting darker and... All of a sudden, I saw to the left an, another body, another round body that was also being eclipsed at that time as well, smaller than the sun, but still a round body separate and lower, left of that. And I thought, that's interesting. I did it again and clicked several times and saved those pictures. Now, at that time, I looked and I thought, oh my goodness. And somebody said, you know, that's Nibiru. And I'm looking, I knew it was a planet, the brown dwarf star, planet X, all these things that had been called. And I knew that the time for it to pass and come around was once again. It comes into our orbit. It has an elliptical orbit that comes into our own planetary orbit every 3,600 years. And throughout history, there's always some sort of natural cataclysmic behavior on our planet with them coming so close. You see, that planet happens to be five to six times the size of Earth. Now, I had also been watching the electromagnetic field of the Earth change for the last couple of hundred, well, not a couple of hundred, it has, but for the last, since 2003 or so, I noticed that something was changing and watching scientific data that showed that it was lessening and lessening, and I knew that wasn't a good thing. That shield, or that magnetic shield, is what protects us from several things. The ozone keeps us in balance, all kinds of things. 
gravitational pulls, everything, tectonic plate action, it's important. And it was decreasing rapidly. And I was aware of the changes of the sun. The sun makes her pole shift every 10 to 11 years. And it's an action that's very strong that affects our own planet. As if the, the sun has arms or links or, or energetic links to our own planet. It reacts or responds. Now, it's important because I recognized that as I started to grow and study about the planet, that it was real and discovered long ago. Um, and it, brought, it was brought to the population again in the 1960s when it was on Popular Science Magazine, the front cover in 1960, about how they discovered and it was going to be closest past in 50 years and what people were going to be doing at the time. And then it went out of the media about this planet. Now, what ends up happening is that planet is so very large that when it hits our elliptical orbit, because we have very little um, um, pole action now because of the magnetic field lessening, what ends up happening is that larger body, their North Pole, will come absolutely, as I've been guided and shown, underneath our South Pole. And you know from high school, from actually from grammar school, biology or chemistry or science, that those poles attracting or those magnets coming together will pull. And that's almost like an assist on our polar action on the planet as the brown dwarf star, Nibiru, Planet X, makes her pass along. I was also guided this past year, this summer, to note that when they started discussing Comet Ison, I was guided and told that it was not a comet. And all those people who know, yes, it has a tail, it has this, it has that, and it acts in this way, and then it became, as it got closer and closer to the approach, it became quite strange. And at our closest approach, somewhere around November 13th and 14th of 2013, our government just said, well, we have no money, buy, we're out. And they shut everything down. They shut everything down. Interesting. Now, it's important for you to note or to understand. I thought, that's strange. NASA's shut down. There's a big, no, you can't look, you can't see. All those uh, clubs and groups and organizations and universities that were using the NASA, you know, to see the comet, they couldn't see anything. And I thought, something is quite strange about this. It doesn't feel right, but I know that's not a comet. I know it's not. Intuitively, I knew. And so I, stepped, I kept following and watching the information. And lo and behold, they said, oh, yeah, it's passed, and now it's going by the sun, it'll burn up. And they thought, well, well, lo and behold, that was sounding great to cover up everybody's, you know, how can I say it, um, in the media. That was a media cover-up to say that was the case. And then lo and behold, not long after, it comes from beyond the sun, around again, in this beautiful shape, coming back again, unlike any other comet that had ever passed before on the planet. It's not a comet. I knew and I was guided to know that it was either a reconnaissance ship from that planet or part of uh, something to do with the planet Nibiru itself. I knew. I have on my website or on the YouTube channel for Beyond the Here and Now, you can see more information about that on the warnings of the crop circles of uh, 2013. But it's important that you realize you know, or most of you realize in my audience, that we're not alone. It's time to recognize what this is, where it comes from, and more about it. This is Beyond the Here and Now. I'm your host, Antonia Lau, and we'll be back in just a moment. Why is crime out of control in L.A.? I don't know. I, I don't know. Because they don't have the Burbank police. Hats off to our hardworking men and women of law enforcement. Okay, guys, you can stop running that radar gun when I get off work. 20 years ago, the Americans with Disabilities Act was signed into law. It helped renew the promise that here in America, we're defined not by our limitations, but by our potential. As we celebrate the 20th anniversary of this historic legislation, it's important to remember that we're still fulfilling that promise. We've come a long way since 1990, and I'm committed to making even more progress in the years ahead. Visit disability.gov to see how you can help. Brought to you by the American Association of People with Disabilities and the Ad Council. If you're a veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan, like me, coming home can be harder than expected. But it turns out I wasn't alone. At IAVA.org, there's a free online community of thousands of vets who've got your back. Whether it's managing the transition home or everyday stuff like finding a nice sweater for my dog. Sweater? Okay, maybe not that. Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America is there for you. 
Join our community at IAVA.org. We got your back. Brought to you by IAVA and the Ad Council. Attention indie music producers. StudioMixLessons.com is proud to present the three simple steps to amazing home recordings. This is a 100% free video training series designed to help you get the most out of your home or project studio. Visit StudioMixLessons.com today to learn the secrets that will unlock the full potential of the gear you already own. StudioMixLessons.com. Making great music sound amazing. Indy 100 Burbank. And welcome back. This is, of course, Beyond the Here and Now. I'm your host, Antonia Lau. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about the Anunnaki and those other forces and what this is outside of the human existence or because of our human existence, how it relates to us. I'm very happy to have my online guest today, Ms. George Gillian Green, George's wife. George was just on with us for a bit ago with the financial focus and picture. But Gillian Green, George's wife, has her own expertise. She is the author of Return of the Anunnaki and has talked at length on this subject matter and, and was a metaphysical teacher as well. So Gillian, welcome to the show and thank you for being here for us today. Hello, and thank you for having me. Now, now how, what can I tell you? Well, Gillian, first of all, the Anunnaki. Now, that's a wonderful sounding name, but can you tell us what it, it pretends to? What does it mean? It was the label put upon the visitors from off the planet by the people on the planet. Anunnaki simply means those who came from heaven to earth or some whatever translation you want of it. But it's, it's not the name of the people. Now that was by the ancient Sumerians that has the, the contact that we're the last... Long, long, long before that it was, it was decided, you know, that was how they were, how they presented themselves, if you want to put it that way. You know, the people saw them coming down and uh, more, more actually coming out of the sea. In fact, if you want a, a, a visual visualization in mythology of the Anunnaki, your best one is with the... Uh, Poseidon and the trident coming out of the ocean. The thing that people seem to forget is that the Anunnaki are great submariners. They, their own planet is predominantly water, 80% water covered, I guess, and it's they are fabulous and very accomplished submariners. And so when they first came to this planet, of course, they came and landed in the sea, and they were seen coming out of the ocean. And this is where you have the mythology of Poseidon Poseidon with his trident, and that really is the, one of the truest representations of the Anunnaki arriving on this planet uh, that you can get, that that's, that's really how it all began. They came for the gold that was in the ocean. Now this is interesting uh, for, I'm just going to add a personal note here, since childhood, since childhood, early childhood, didn't have uh, any reference, but I believed in mermaids, that mermaids exist, mermaids and mermen, didn't know how. Huh. But I would spend hours with one um, sleeve of a jacket with two legs in that jacket. Pretend. Play mermaids and mermen. Yes. You know that most of the time they were here, we, we also, you know, when we think of the Anunnaki, we need to realize that time is very different for them. Yes. We count time in minutes and, and hours and days. They count it in months and years. So, for instance, a normal sleep period would be like a whole week of our time and a normal daytime would be like a whole week of our time uh -huh. and so when they were first here looking at the possibility of extracting gold out of the oceans of course they spent a great deal of time in their fish suits right, <laughs> swimming in the water checking it out and also draining the area the swamp areas around the Aegean to make camps redoubts uh, build their first en encampment settlements already on the planet, because remember the people who were already on the planet at that time were the hominid upright species who yes. had not been advanced at all. They were small tribal groups passing information from mouth to mouth. Your Neanderthals or your Cro-Magnons were the ones extant on the planet at that time. So the history that passed down orally through those groups of people and eventually into the recollections of race memory of modern man is of the 
these people who were like fishes and were always in the sea. And, you know, these are the earliest memories that people on the planet have. Uh, hence all the mythology we have about mermaids, mermen, Poseidon, that, that whole underwater mythology springs from those very, very earliest days of the Anunnaki on this planet. Now, this is an advanced civilization. People have to understand to, to travel from those distances in craft that came through to our, our planet. It has to be highly advanced, more so than our own. And we're coming, as you said, to Cro-Magnon and the end of all period. So can you tell us what happened with our visitors uh, when they came here? Well, of course, I think most people, a lot of people today have read you know, Zachariah Sitchin's books and they're pretty familiar with the story, but they really did come to get gold. Uh, their problem was that in touring their orbital path, which you rightly said is every 3,600 years, they were very well aware for millennia that there was plenty of gold on the planet Earth. They just weren't able to get to it because of the um, asteroid belts, they, they hammered bracelet, I think they call it, which, which surrounds our uh, inner planets. And they, they simply couldn't find a way through there, through the all the asteroids, but they were in desperate need of the gold because they had a problem very similar to our own with holes in the ozone there. The atmosphere was getting so depleted and they had to do something about it. And the depletion is caused, by the way, when Nibiru comes uh, through on its orbital path. Every time that orbital path uh, is pulled too closely to Saturn, to the planet Saturn, yes. which has a huge magnetic field, Every time Nibiru is pulled too closely to it, the magnetic field of Saturn pulls off its atmosphere. Ah. There's, been a lot, there's been a lot of argument about, you know, oh, well, they had nuclear wars with each other and they flew up their atmosphere. That really isn't true. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, in fact, I want to say there's no truth in that. It's not that they didn't have atomics and they hadn't had nuclear things in the past, but it certainly wasn't on the planet Nibiru. Uh, but Nibiru has lost its atmosphere to Saturn. And a time will come when we can go to Saturn and we can pull the material in much the same way as we do archaeological research. Now, we'll be able to research the rings of Saturn and every ring, like the rings in a tree, represents a year when uh, Nibiru was passing and lost its atmosphere, got too close to Saturn and lost its atmosphere. So that was why they needed the gold, to suspend in their atmosphere to give them some dense protection. Uh, obviously, gold is non-magnetic, so they felt that if they could, as it were, lace their atmosphere with gold, it wouldn't be subject to the magnetic pull of Saturn. Some kind and of way were, that, that likens it, can I pause for a second? It likens it to what we're doing with the aluminum flex in our atmosphere with the chemtrail. Exactly, exactly. Same, same, we're trying the same kind of thing. Of course, it doesn't work, but right. we're trying it. <laughs> right. We know it's not going to work. The same as the gold didn't work. <laughs> yes. But um, eventually, when they became desperate, uh, someone, some single person, a single astronaut, if you like, took off and worked out a way to get through the asteroid belt. And essentially, one of our outer planets, um, and really, um, I'm no scientist on this, so I'm not sure I'm saying the right one, but it's probably Neptune. Mm -hmm. One of them is a very heavily watered planet, and, yes. and with the, that water in such close proximity, he came up with the idea, well, if I pause at that location, take on a huge load of water, and then use the water like a, a power hose, like a power washer, mm -hmm. and out of the front of my vehicle and simply push the asteroids out of my way with water power, uh. I can make a track through it. And, and that's exactly what he did. I know it sounds very simplistic, but that's mm. how they got through. And of course, the rest followed. So they were able to come down here and start their search for gold. And they, because they're such great submariners and underwater people, they thought that the best place to get it was out of the ocean where gold is very free free in the water yes. but it was too difficult too too expensive if you like in man hours and time and they also found that there was a great deal of gold in the earth and that the gold was in south america and uh, south africa rather mm -hmm. so they set up a camp they moved from the aegean they'd set up a base in um Shumeria, what ultimately became known as Shumeria, and then they went after the gold in southeast, uh, in East Africa, and they were digging it themselves, and of course.
decided they needed to have some domesticated animals, like, you know, we train horses to pull carts. Well, they wanted to train some animal to go and dig the holes in the ground and get the gold for them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, of course, was not deep mining then. A lot of it was very fairly near the surface. It was more like a ditch-digging job than anything. Um, but they tried experimentally for a very long time to uh, to train animals to genetically alter, first to train, and then to genetically alter animals to produce a species that could be used uh, to, to serve as a, as a labor force. And they didn't get anywhere with it. There were some pretty horrible disasters and some mistakes. And finally, they said, well, the only thing we can do is use the already tool-using hominid species that are extant on the planet. And of course, we all know the story of Eve, you know, the, uh, the black lady out of East Africa where they took her over and impregnated, impregnated it with their own genes and started producing what ultimately we know as, as modern man. Now, that experimentation began about 400,000 years ago yes. and was perfected about 40,000 years ago and then for the next oh, 35,000 years they trained and developed both the humans as a species uh, teaching them teaching them every, everything that they needed to know for survival on the planet and also training them to run their own planet training them to take over and and run the planet themselves and from that, we have the established stories that come down to, the, in the Bible, it tells the story of Adam and Eve. The Adam, of course, Adam is the generic term for man. It's the Anunnaki Ad, Adman, or Ad, uh, Adam mm-hmm. is the Anunnaki word for a man, a generic term for an earth man. Mm-hmm. And the Adam in the Bible story of Adam and Eve is actually the Adama who they trained to ultimately take over as ruler ah. and and that they subsequently did um, and that was about four four and a half thousand years ago they handed over rulership to him now we're going to pause for a moment and we'll be back in just a moment all genres all indie indie 100 welcome even the music we play that sucks is better than what's playing on big radio in Los Angeles. <laughs> music fans deserve better. Independent music is our format. The Y. It's finally here, a four-day event. The High Desert Blowout, party of the century, New Year's weekend, held near Barstow, California, with 96 hours of music, games, contests, and dollar prizes. With partygoers from California, Arizona, and Nevada, tell everyone... Special appearance by the Shadow Silhouette DJ and Silhouette Dancers, the Hard Miles Band, Sonora Dinamita, plus patriotic celebrities for mingling and photo shoot with everyone. For party information, www.allonlinecontest.org. www.allonlinecontest.org. Advanced tickets available now. Looking for great deals on apparel? Visit OnlineSalesMart.com. Currently, we have authentic Armani designer sunglasses at $100 or more off original price. Novelty neckties of all types for under $10. Necktie sets at discounted prices. And high-quality and genuine leather dress shoes, wallets, handbags, briefcases, and more for less. Visit www.OnlineSalesMart.com. All major credit cards are accepted and all orders are shipped on the double. Once again, that's OnlineSalesMart.com. Larry's Chili Dogs! For 10 years now, the 
Anthony Bible has helped thousands of independent artists gain more exposure for their music. The 10th edition features 4,200 publications that will review independent music and 3,400 radio stations that will play independent songs. It also includes hundreds of labels, distributors, and digital download sites. Over 9,000 contacts in all included are 50 helpful articles written by music industry experts. The ND Bible shows musicians where they can get their music reviewed, their songs played, and their CDs sold. For details and to order online, visit www.ndbible.com. No pop music here. Alternative. It's my music. Alternative. 101. Indie. 100. And we're back. This is, of course, Beyond the Here and Now. I'm very happy to have my guest on today, uh, wife of George Green, author herself, Jillian Green, metaphysical teacher, and she has authored The Return of the Anunnaki. And she's explaining today where the term, where the people, how it comes, and how we come to exist on the planet as humans. And in the last segment, Jillian, you were saying that you have literally, how can I say this, uh, we were created basically, and that Adam, as the story starts from our Bible, um, as messy as it is, as as changed as it is, is is discussing that he was placed by the Anunnaki as the leader or the ruler after they were trained, right? Right. Okay, and from then on, how does, how do the Anunnaki fit in with this this scenario? After that, they needed the gold. Well, you know, I'd like to digress a little bit and throw one or two other points in if I can here. Please. One of them is that you're not going to have any planetary system with people living on it uh, who don't have government. Mm-hmm. There has to be some form of government. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so the Adam was trained by the Anunnaki to govern. And that original governorship was ruler-priest. In other words, a priest-king. Uh. The origin of the priest-king. The, the person who speaks between the person, the people who are being ruled, and the person above, right? And so from that idea, we began to think, people began to think of the Anunnaki as gods, right? Mm -hmm. Because the the priest or the king talked to them and gave them instructions, and then he went back into his temple building, and in his temple building he communicated with the hierarchy of the Anunnaki, and they gave him instructions and advice, and then he went back to people. So this was developed as a relationship between man and God, and actually that God is very small g and has absolutely nothing to do with the Creator, God's uh, Exactly. So I want to set that right aside, but if people, if people want to understand and be able to take control of their own lives and decide where they're going over the next 50,000 years, yes. then it's a good idea if they can grasp that there is a distinct difference between the beings that early man calls God, uh, like the gods who walked in the garden in the Bible, or the gods who came down from heaven and talked to this person or that person here and there on the planet through the generations and the different religions, between those beings, which I call God's small g, Mm -hmm. and gods only because they have immense knowledge and power beyond that which we can imagine. Mm -hmm. in our present stage of development, as opposed to the creator of the whole God, capital G, if you like, because nobody knows who or what that creator is. The Anunnaki have their own cosmology, and they have a lot of insight and ideas about it, but nobody actually knows. It's still who or what the creator is, is the great mystery. And when you mentioned that um, I'd authored a book called The Return of the Anunnaki, it isn't really a book so much as a booklet. It's only 20 okay. or 30 pages. And it's on George's website, the globalatnohoax.com website, uh, for free. You can read it or download it or do what you like. I just printed it on there. I put it together uh, for another lecture. But right at the beginning of it, uh, I did a little introduction. And that introduction is the Anunnaki cosmology in a nutshell, so to speak. Mm. And it actually speaks about creation to creation, about the process, as far as the Anunnaki know it from a point of science, not just uh, belief, right? There's no belief in it, there's knowledge. Now, having said that, the reason that Jerusalem and Israel 
even up to this present day, we all know how important Israel is in global government, in global yes. politics. It, the issues of, of Israel never go away. Well, there's a very profound reason for that. And the reason is that on the Mount of David in Jerusalem, the very first Adama who was given kingship by the Anunnaki was crowned and handed over his authority, his power to rule on the Mount of David in Jerusalem. Uh. That is the seat of original rulership on this planet. And that's why when we fought the Crusades, couple of thousand years later, the Crusades were fought to gain control of Jerusalem. That's why now everybody wants control of Jerusalem, because from the most ancient of times, whoever rules Jerusalem is the present, the uh, preeminent ruler ah. of this planet. Uh-huh. Wow. So a lot of people, it's, uh, that is so far back in history that you know, a lot of people have even forgotten it. They, they don't even know about it, right? It's, but yes. that's why every other king, queen, ruler, premier, president, doesn't matter who it is, every ruler on this planet owes obeyance to whoever rules Jerusalem. Now, that's how it's been for the last several thousand years, 4,000 years or more, right? Mm-hmm. But here is an interesting thing. That place was called Zion. And Zion in the Anunnaki language means essentially uh, the place you signal from or the place where signaling goes up and down, right? Mm, Yes. And so it became important because it was the connecting place, uh, the communicating place between the people on earth through their king and with the Anunnaki. Once the Anunnaki left the planet, they could still communicate. The king, the priest could still talk to and get communication and help and instruction and advice from off the planet at this place of communicating, which is where they kept the ark, which was the communicating tool and so on and so forth, right? Now, here is a piece of information which may or may not be known, but the Zion in Jerusalem is no longer the place of signaling. Ah. (laughs) There is a new place of signaling, and it is in the West. It's no longer in the Middle East. And this is as much because the planet itself has moved. Yes. Our our polar uh, magnetic poles are no longer in the same position as they were. Yes. And therefore, when when you come in from space on a spaceship, in other words, when you imagine Nibiru is doing its flyby, According to their calculations, just a few short years ago, they said their nearest path to Earth would be in 2017. Mm-hmm. And that makes communication and landings and takeoffs from this planet uh, much more convenient than at any other time on the past. It's the year 2017. Mm-hmm. So we can start watching, you know, next year and, and watch for a couple of years. The next four or five years should actually be seeing where we literally and, and uh, physically get a lot more interaction with the Anunnaki and the planet during those years because because it is physically nearer. A lot of people want to put, it seems to me, want to keep things in the realm of spirit and spirituality, uh, but there is still the physical reality. Yes, And the correct. physical reality is that they are nearer at that point in time for communication with this planet, and Jerusalem is no longer the Zion or place of signaling. Now, you know, you, like the, you were, the news, go ahead. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, the uh, Jillian, the the amount of crop circling in Wil, uh, the Wiltshire area of England, Avery, uh, and that area around the, what do you call it, the, um, the Stonehenge as well, and then, uh-huh. of course, other parts. It, sh- it tells me that that is absolutely the case, just what you said. Yes. It's moving. That resonance well, is moving. what we have right now on the planet are... 144 ancient Anunnaki. When I say ancient, I mean they probably know who they are, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But they're, they're normal Earth humans at this time. Yes. Uh, and they're round the planet, and they all are carrying on their person a small gold medallion. These medallions were given out about oh, nearly 20 years ago, 
maybe more than 20 years ago now, uh, were given out these 104 individual beings who are really spread like a string of pearls around the planet. And that string of small gold medallions is like a necklace around the planet. And it, the, the medallions themselves have um, a frequency, a radioactive frequency in them, which signals where they're located. And they were placed in specific places. And those places now mark the new landing path. Uh. Or the new, the same, if you remember from Sitchin's research, he wrote this down, and there, there is a, a little map I remember in one of his books, because I did read his books at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and in one of them, there's a map, and I think it was the landing path was... Uh, 15 degrees, 15 degrees above, 15 degrees below the 30th parallel. That was at that time. Well, there is a similar mapped out path around the planet where the ships come in, orbit the planet, and can land. And the landing is in the west-northwest hemisphere of the planet today. And, and there is a new, a new Zion, a new place of signaling. So for the first time in 4,000 years, in reality, Jerusalem has lost its value. Yes. Um, that's not meant to say that it doesn't have value no, in the no, no. of the people who live there, <laughs> but from its ancient connection, its ancient connection uh, with, the Anav- with the Anunnaki has been broken. It, it's no longer correct or true. It's changed, and it's only changed in the last 50 years as these preparations were put into place and, and took place. The new preparations were made. Let's so, pause for a so second. We're moving, so we're moving into a whole new relationship with the Anunnaki. Let's it pause is. for a moment, and I was hoping that they would change in the last 3,600 years since last time. We're going to come right back with Jillian Green in just a moment. Indie music all the time. All the time. Indie 100. Attention indie music producers. StudioMixLessons.com is proud to present the three simple steps to amazing home recordings. This is a 100% free video training series designed to help you get the most out of your home or project studio. Visit StudioMixLessons.com today to learn the secrets that will unlock the full potential of the gear you already own. StudioMixLessons.com, making great music sound amazing. With all the major changes on the earth going on, earthquakes, sinkholes, strange sounds, birds, fish, dying, all this volcanic activity, all this earthquake activity, just because it's not in your backyard right now, doesn't mean all this happening around the planet around you isn't going to affect you. Please, prepare properly now You may think the world is okay, but let me tell you, there are lots of changes for Mother Earth right now. Magnetic North is no longer where it used to be. Look deep in your research or take a look at mine at onlyoneplan.com. Learn the sequences of events, learn just what to expect, and just how you need to properly prepare for all the events coming. This is a real event. Not a comet, not an asteroid, much greater and bigger. Don't let the elite and the governments prepare without you preparing as well. Yes, they have their bunkers ready. Onlyoneplan.com Stop rationalizing. Indie 100 and we're back. This is Beyond the Here and Now. I'm your host, Antonia Lau. And I'm here with my guest, Jillian Green, who is an expert on the knowledge of the Anunnaki and their cause. We've been talking in discussion about their return to Earth. Now, at the last segment, you were talking about upon this return, there would be some changes. As you mentioned, Jerusalem is no longer that resonant seat. Um, so that has been changed because of the Earth magnetic uh, poles changing as well. So what are the changes with the Anunnaki at this return? Well, of course, the big changes have come about because of the events of 2,000 years ago. You know, 2,000 years ago, the Anunnaki sent one of their great leaders, who we know as Jesus of Nazareth, or Emmanuel, the Nazarene. Yes. Yes. And he came with 
all the ultimate messages for humanity, how they needed to live, and if they did it, then they would be able to do, as he said, everything I could do and more. Heal yourself, heal the sick, you know, raise the dead, do all the things, be, become enlightened or Christed beings. Yes. Christed light, right? Yes, yes. Well, of course, uh, we know what the story was. They rejected that in favor of power and control, politics, right? Yes. And he was killed. And I think it's, it is worth pointing out that the Romans knew perfectly well that this was a political killing by the members of the Sanhedrin who voted for it uh, by placing that cloak upon him, the royal purple cloak, and writing the board above his head, which said, here is the king of the Jews. Uh, that, you know, people, uh, when I, I shouldn't say people, it's such a uh, wrong thing right. to say. Certainly. I, have, I have found many that I've talked to that don't really realize that that was the Roman, the power that be, the Romans, yes. letting the world know. Yes. We know that this is a political killing because Christ was the king of the Jews. Yes. As the adopted son of Joseph, who was a direct descendant of Jesse, the house of David, and whose mother was Mary, daughter of Anne, who yes. was a direct descendant of Jesse and David, right? Yes. And as David was the one who established the biblical lineage the, uh, so that the mitochondria of Mary was correct to yes. be the Christ child. <laughs> exactly. Right? Uh, who would know from the moment of his birth who he was, where he came from, and what his job was, right? It's the all-knowing God-made man, if you like, right? That that they knew that. The Romans recognized him as Prince of Judah, Prince of Israel, rightful ruler of the people, and they hung him as such. They hung him with a cloak on that said, here's the king of the Jews, and we're, we're hanging the man, right? Mm -hmm. It was the Sanhedrin who realized that if he took over as rightful king, which he had every right to do, then they would no longer have the power to rule the way they were ruling because all that he was preaching, all that he was teaching was the antithesis of their rule. Now we're in exactly the same position today. If you look at the governments of the world, yes. they are every single one of them corrupt. Yes. It doesn't matter which one it is and it doesn't matter whether their corruption is clever manipulation with money and power, right? Or yes. whether it's overt misbehavior with guns and tanks and shooting people. That's correct. They're, they're all about at the top of the tree in every government in the world, and I defy anyone to, to disagree with me on this, they are all corrupt because they all want power yes. at any price. Yes. And we, the people, the sheep, as George calls us, right? Mm -hmm. We uh, continually accept this power so long as we can stay within our comfort zone. We just allow ourselves to be ruled, ruled in whatever way. Of course, some people in some countries now, the chaos is building in today in Venezuela, yesterday yes. in Kosovo. You know, everywhere it's chaos and the eruptions are getting worse and worse and worse, which is what we can expect because Christ himself told us this was coming. When he was actually being crucified, being led through Jerusalem, and the women were weeping. And he says to them, and of course I'm paraphrasing here because I'm no bibliophile, but he says, why do you weep for me? If you do this when the wood is green, wait and see what happens when the wood is dry. <laughs> well, now the wood is dry. Yes. And we're seeing the explosions it's bringing from people everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. It's, it's exploding. And this is coming with the return of the Anunnaki because the leader of the Anunnaki who is coming back, after we decide which side we're on, good, bad, or indifferent, and all the people on the planet have chosen sides, right? Yes. Literally. That's right. On the light side or on the dark That's side. That's correct. Then, then the leadership of the Anunnaki will come back and say, okay, we're sorry you've made such a mess of things. You know, you have all chosen the dark side, and so pretty well you're back to square one because yes. <laughs> the time break is a break in the, in the space-time continuum coming in 225 and then it's a fresh start for another 50,000 years 
and all those who've chosen the dark side, you can go back to square one, start thinking about working out your Iron Age or Bronze Age or whatever. And all the ones who have chosen on the light side, we're going to try and help you rebuild. But the difference this time is going to be that they have agreed among themselves there will be no direct interference with the evolved human species. They will simply come as advisors. Yes, yes. Because many of the Anunnaki became very attached to this planet, really love it here, want to emigrate here, want to make their lives here. Hmm. And um, as they've done before, they, they really want to come back. And we have to remember that for them, it's only four or five years since they were last here. Yes. For us, it's tens of thousands, so it's actually about <laughs> 4,000 years in our time. Yes. But for them, it's only three or four years, right? Yes. And a lot of them do want to come back and they want to live on this planet. And they understand that there is a need to help reorganize it. So if you like, their manifest is they are coming back to ensure that man learns first to love himself, that the individuals learn to love themselves. Then they learn to love each other. And then above all, they learn to love the creator. They learn to love life itself. And when I say love, I don't mean some airy-fairy running around saying, I love everybody. I, yes. I mean love in the sense of appreciation, of understanding, of gaining knowledge and respect for things, yes. which is sadly lacking in most people. I don't think today a lot of the problems we have with young people, for instance, are because the kids are bad. It's because they don't understand that they should have respect Yes. For Yes. But they don't have any self-respect either. Yes. Because they've been raised to be ignorant and useless. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> correct. So, they, so, so how can they respect themselves? And if they can't respect themselves, they can't respect anything else. And, and really, respect is at the core of love. Unless you can respect something, you cannot truly love it. You cannot truly... Uh, love is, is not a, a feeling, it's a state of being. Yes. And in that state of being, of unconditional love, then of course you are grateful and you respect everything. So really that is the goal of the returning Anunnaki, to encourage man. And why are they doing this? Well, because man is akin to Anunnaki. When they go back in ancient times, as I said right at the very beginning, mm -hmm. they saw the Anunnaki as gods because they could do the things they could do. The extreme of which is like raising the dead, the ultimate thing. Yes. That they had that mastery of life. But that's because they are eternal beings. The Anunnaki are creatures of light, not creatures out of the creation, but creatures into the creation. They came into it, not out of it. And so because of that, uh, they are immortal beings from the beginning. And when they did the genetic engineering on humans on this planet, they took four genes out and they put two of their own genes in. But their own genetic structure is pure light. Yes. Right? So when they did that, now we know everything that exists. If, you know, we can say everything that exists is a, is a compression of light. It's, a man, it's light made manifest in some form or other, every living thing. And that is true, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the sentient beings, although they are made of light, are not necessarily immortal, right? That's correct. Because the immortals are those beings which exist whether the creation exists or not. Correct. They exist with, with hand in glove, you might say, with the creator, not the created. And so when the created disappears, when the end of a universe's life comes, and it's all gone, then all the things of that creation are gone. Maybe the memory of them exists, but the physicality of them is gone. Right? Now, the Anunnaki are immortal beings from the beginning. They're beings of light directly from the Creator, sent into the creation. And when they put some of their own genes into humans, they gave humans the possibility of becoming immortal beings themselves. Mm, mm -hmm. So that when this creation ceases to exist in however many billions of years in the future, when it ceases to exist, 
those on this planet who have chosen to claim that immortality for themselves will not cease to exist with the creation. They will continue on as self-aware beings, as sentient beings, into a future, into a new creation, into whatever becomes ahead. I tried to explain this a little bit in that booklet that I told you is on George's website. Uh, and it's, it is so such a great, great gift that we've had from the Anunnaki, notwithstanding all the wrong that they did or didn't do, or not saying that they're not worth some criticism, etc., etc. Um, setting that aside, if they did nothing else, they gave Earth humans the possibility of mortality. Now this is anybody wants it, all they have to do is ask, say, hey, I'm a potential immortal and I want my immortality. That's the key. You have to ask for it. I'll be done. And it really is that simple. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be opened. It's as simple as that. It doesn't require anything else. It re- well, I shouldn't say that. It requires a modicum of goodness that you can acquire <laughs> enough energy to yourself. <laughs> good, good right-thinking energy to carry you forward. But assuming that you have that anyway, uh, all you have to do to become an immortal like the Anunnaki is to ask for it. The trouble is that most humans across the face of this planet have been so brainwashed over the centuries because that original king-priest who was set to rule over them and interact with the Anunnaki for advice and information has turned that role from one of service to the people into one of control in the people. Yes. Either control through rulership or control through religion. Yes. One way or another, they turn that gift into a harness that has harnessed humans for hundreds of years now, thousands of years even. And that harness is developed into belief structures, any and all kinds of belief structures, that put blinkers on them and tell them either that they don't need to use their God-given brains or that they don't need to worry about anything because it's all taken care of for them. And then they don't ask. So it's time for humans. They've got it already. Right? Yes, yes. And all they have to do is ask, and that is the gift of the Anunnaki. And when the Anunnaki come back, all those who have been asking for help, for guidance, for insight, for communication with our yes. planetary, our, our universal brothers, if you like, and sisters, and have been receiving it over the years, right? Yes. All those people will then be asked to step forward and help in the in the cleanup of the planet. Exactly. And you know, I always say to, to friends or, or people I've talked to over the years about this, well, you know, join the club, we've signed up for the janitorial crew. That's, <laughs> that's, that's exactly. our job, clean up the mess. Um, <laughs> but what a privilege it will be Yes. To, make, to, to help in the process of returning this planet to its pristine beginnings. Mother Mother Nature will take care of its own house cleaning. Mother Nature will erupt and disrupt enough to clean itself and have a, a thorough, you know, like they advertise all these colonic cleansers. <laughs> <laughs> the planet will do her, her own big colonic cleanse and clean everything off and give us a fresh start as humans on this planet. It's going to be quite wonderful and exciting. Exactly, exactly. And we will be doing it in partnership Exactly. With the Anunnaki, who about 40, 30 or 40 percent of whom have chosen to return and stay on this planet into the future. Yes, that's correct. So it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be here. Well, Jill, and you've given, uh, like I said, a lot of discourse today. Absolutely fantastic. I covered some of that in my. Um, my uh, online full workshops and uh, my new website is onlyoneplan.com and for Jillian's book you can go get Return of the Anunnaki that booklet from George's website nohoax.com n-o-h-o-a-x.com and you can find more information about George and Jillian but it's been fantastic to have you on with this brilliant knowledge for the rest of us and it's time for everyone to wake up thank you so much for being with us today Jillian Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I want to wish the audience 
all the best. Cause I'm opening and hoping we can grow.